Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, everyone. It's Gabby. And we're going to start doing some bonus episodes weekly for the listeners. And what we're trying to do is just take these specific bite-sized topics, go through them pretty quickly, and drill down on specific takeaways. What we're also doing is we fielded some questions and we try to elaborate from there. So in this case, this is a portion of my episode with Alan Stein. We were talking about the role of sports in your kid's life and where a parent fits in. It's very confusing. So take a listen to our discussion here and then we'll dive into the questions and get a little, go a little bit further. Enjoy. You know, there's a lot of parents sometimes who they push their kids. Uh, you know, I have three daughters. I actually don't push them into athletics. Sometimes I'm conflicted that I should have more or not. I do believe that pursuit, pursuit of a sport is hard, so hard that maybe you could push someone for a time but that ultimately, if you're going to have real success, which also means some level of enjoyment of the pursuit, which is challenging, that it really does have to come from the individual. I mean, you want to support them, maybe uh, expose them. But in your mind, do you ever see the coach parents in the long game that that works out? Those, you know, those, those sideline coach parents that are, you know, little league parents? You know, I'm so glad you brought this up. And to your point earlier, when you asked me how many books have I written, I really only consider Raise Your Game and Sustain Your Game. Those are the primary books I've written, and those have been traditionally published. But during the pandemic, a good colleague uh, of mine, um, and also a fellow sports parent, as I have three children as well, we co-authored a self-published little guide, and it's actually called The Sideline, a, a guide, a survival guide for youth sports parents. Uh, and it's really to address just that. I can say you know, as a parent, I know you feel the same way. We, we all love our children more than anything in the world. And, and we want to do everything we can to help put them on the path to living happy, well-adjusted, successful lives. Uh, but I've certainly noticed with my three children, and I noticed this as a basketball performance coach when I was specializing in middle school and high school age, a lot of parents are blissfully misguided. Um, you know, I know they want what's best for their children, but they often think what's best 
is is pushing their children, making them practice, you know, and you can see that just in their their behavior on the sideline, whether it's a practice or a game. You know, they're they're shouting instructions from the sideline, telling their child what they should be doing. Uh, they're berating the referees because you know, gosh forbid, a, a, a referee makes a mistake during a game, and and, and I've noticed these behaviors. Um, and they're really across the board. They're really at every sport and at every level. And, you know, my children are a little younger. I have 12-year-old twin sons and a 10-year-old daughter. Uh, so they've been playing youth sports for a couple of years now. And, and it just used to blow my mind, you know, when they were seven years old and they were playing soccer, how intense the parents were on the sideline. And it was almost comical. And um, I have known from, from the research as well as my own observation, kids today are quitting sports earlier and earlier. And their number one reason for doing so is adult interference. And, and most of those adults are the parents. It's not coming from the coaches. And so here we've got parents who are trying to do, you know, what they believe is best. But it's it's really going in the wrong direction, and 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 you and I both know, you know, how important sports are just to the overall development of young people, and and to teach them life lessons that they won't learn anywhere else. So we need to be doing, and I say we as the adults need to be doing everything in our power to encourage kids to play sports for as long as they can, and yeah. for most of them, you know, that that's through high school. When when the high school days are over. The vast majority of players will be done, but if you have an opportunity to play after that, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but but instead of having kids quit at 10, 11, and 12, can we get them participating in sports till they're 17 or 18 during those really formative years? And that was why we wrote that guide, you know, hopefully not in judgment of parents or to be critical of parents, but to show them that there is a better way. And, and I love the word you used before, uh, support. You know, instead of pushing children, yeah. Let's encourage them. Let's support them. Let's love them unconditionally. But let's make sure they're playing the sport because of their enjoyment, not because we're trying to vicariously live through them. And I, I know many well-intentioned parents who have done that. Oh, you're much p more polite than I am. They're, they're, they're <laughs> living vicariously through their kids because they have some unsatisfied dream. And it's like, you know what? I've had to learn this as a parent. I have a, one of my children gets very, very good grades and she is built for sports. And I'm like, what a waste. You know, it's like, that's my weird filter, right? And so it, it's just an interesting thing where it's, but there is so much uh, data, like you said, especially for girls, the power of them staying a little bit longer. So I, I just want to remind parents, first of all, if you have a kid that's in sports, actually it doesn't matter how good they are. 1% of them will ever have the opportunity to play in college. So at some point, um, like you said, the lessons of working together in a team and losing and winning and all these things. I think these are the valuable things because we've all met people that have won everything at every level. And it certainly doesn't make them a good person. And I think as parents, our job is to develop them as human beings, not I have a champion. It's like, okay, that's great. But you know, that's a whole other story. When Dr. Stein made the comment about parents are blissfully misguided, I think parenting is really hard. And I think a lot of the time we don't know the right way until we've done it the wrong way. I can speak to this personally. It's like I have only improved in my parenting, if there's even such a thing, because I blew it so many times. And one of my kids, you know, points it out and brings it to your attention and you have that opportunity at that moment to go, 
okay, I can take that. It, it you know, it hurts because we're always so well intended, like, oh, but I love you so much and I just want what's best for you. And I think it's so I, I see that when I when I hear him say blissfully misguided. I think a lot of parents, they're just doing the best that they can. And unfortunately, we oftentimes don't learn how that was for the kids' experience until uh, they're willing to share that with us. Um, and, you know, it's hard with sports because you think, oh, my kid's healthy and they're running and they're outside and they're with, you know, with other kids. And so this this scenario is so positive, you know, in, in, its, in its kind of essence, but it's sort of all these weird subtleties that are around it that get funky. So if you're yelling at your kid on the sideline, uh, if you're talking about it in the car or in coaching, maybe a kid's going through, you know, puberty and there's sort of bigger things that the parent needs to really be talking about than, you know, how they did or didn't pass a ball, but sort of go like, hey, check in with you. How are you doing? You know, how are you feeling? Are things good with your friends? Are you, you know, is school, are you feeling stressed out? So it's, a, it's just an interesting fine line. Um, and I don't know if most parents are doing it right or wrong, but I think it's sort of us getting out of our own fantasy land and remembering not what our job is, but who we are in their lives and keep just focusing on them as the human being and, and, and listening to them and making space for them and shining light on them so that they feel seen and heard enough to tell you really what's going on in their life. Listen, even if you had a kid that kicked ass all the way through high school and college and became a professional athlete, go to the Olympics, I mean, whatever thing you want to put on it, by the time they're done, they have another 50 or 60 years to live as a, as a person who's going to have relationships and maybe have a family of their own one day and work at other things. And so I think you have to sometimes think, okay, let's just say this went as, you know, high of a level as I could ever think. What is my job as a parent? It's also to help that person prepare through the whole time. So when they get out of that situation, which by the way, 1% of all college athletes um, ever become professional and 1% of high school athletes become college athletes. But let's say that happens. How do I, how am I the one of two people that support them as only a parent can? After the episode with Alan Stein, somebody asked what was my relationship with sports growing up. I had a really unconventional relationship with athletics. I was six feet by 12 and six three by 15. However, I was living in the Virgin Islands where organized sports, it just wasn't that big of a deal. I played a little bit of volleyball and it was my junior year. So I was 15 when I moved to Florida and I walk into the school and obviously being tall, they were like, oh, you're going to play volleyball and basketball. So I was so late to, to like rigorous with Saturday morning practices, sports, that I actually think that's why I played so long. I then randomly sort of fell into getting a scholarship to Florida State to play volleyball. 
I became a much better player. Uh, the learning curve was was pretty steep because again, I was I was there so late and I was excited about learning and becoming better and then playing in the pros because I wasn't burnt out. So it's interesting. I don't know that my path is so typical. I believe if we're going to go somewhere, we're going to get there. And because I was, I don't know that I was meant to go, you know, play at Florida State and then be a professional athlete. If you had met me at 14, you would not have lined up, um, that journey. So it is a great reminder to me that that uh, it's it's sort of knowing that if we're paying attention, we're gonna we're gonna find our path for sure. I talk about in this segment about feeling conflicted about pushing my kids or not, and the fact that really I didn't, and that sometimes I was conflicted about that. and And what I meant by that was. I think for me, there was a lot of things in my life that, um, not that I got pushed into, but maybe I stayed a little longer and that's when the discovery happened. And so with my kids, I introduced them to sports and if they committed to, let's say, a season or six lessons or a camp, that they couldn't get out of it then. But if it was not something that excited them or that they wanted to pursue, I didn't push it because I think from my own athletic experience, and maybe this is naive on my part, it really was my pursuit and my love. And so on the days that it was really, really hard, I was the one, along with my teammates and coach, that did that pursuit. It wasn't having somebody behind me. And my thinking behind this was, we're not going to be in our kids' pockets forever. And when they come up against things that are challenging, they have to get that, that metal, that, that uh, toughness from something inside themselves, not because someone's leaning on them. And my conflict was just that maybe had I done it more, would my kids be more into athletics? I have, my oldest daughter's grown and she, is thriving in her workplace. And she said very early on, even though she participated in high school sports, I don't want to do that for my living, which I thought was funny. (laughs) And like that, that was the expectation. My middle daughter actually came upon it late herself. She's at a tennis academy in Europe. Uh, So she, she has sort of picked that up. And then my youngest daughter, who I look at her and I go, man, she has all the raw goods. She's very tall. She's athletic. Uh, you know, I'm oftentimes negotiating with her. Uh, and it's not about being a college athlete or a professional athlete for me. So where the regret comes in is that knowing yourself through sport, through losing and winning and practicing and trying and figuring something out, that is what I'm interested in, getting them that tool. So when I talked about that, um, I think that sometimes I second guess myself often about, well, should I should I be forcing it a little more so they get that medicine. But I I still really believe in the end, it's being that good example and encouraging them to figure out what they really do want to work hard at. As a continuation off the back of, you know, supporting them is 
you know, what are the positives that sports can bring to your child and your family? And then, you know, what's the sign like it's going too far in the parent's dreamland? I think this, I don't want to say it's easy, uh, especially if you have a kid who's exceptionally stoic or trying to please you. I mean, certainly on the, on the outside, the positive of learning how to do difficult things, learning how to not know how to do something and, and getting the skill set on figuring out how to do it. Losing and waking up the next day and realizing you can survive it and putting yourself out there, right? Like it, there's something brave about being willing to, I don't want to say be humiliated, but there have certainly been times in sports where you're like, oh my goodness, you know, that was pretty humiliating. And just realizing that we're, we're strong, you know, like someone realizing for themselves, like I, I can get up on the days I don't want to and, and, and sort of get back after it. I can learn lessons and put that into action. I can work with people that maybe we're, we're very different, but we have a common goal. And, and even being an example the other way. So a kid showing a parent, um, you know, certain skills or how to manage things, or I'm sure they bring home information about eating and movement that they can actually teach their family. So I think there's a lot of, and there can be celebration, right? Like a lot of families make kind of this time to connect and be social around these events. Um, I think as long as the most important things are always focused on after the game, which, which is like, regardless of whether we won or lost or this, you won or lost, that's the other thing I, I want to encourage parents to be careful. It's not we, right? It's, it's the kids. So it's like your team, your game, not, well, we won or we lost. Um, just that the family is together and that if everybody's healthy and we love each other and we still know how to have a laugh, um, even if you, you, know, you came from a loss. So as long as that's the tone, I think that that's really helpful. And as far as like it going too far is when somehow it's about the parent and it's not about the kid or the kid's journey or what the kid's experiencing or sort of what's, what are the, what are their goals? Um, when a kid's, when a parent is living vicariously through a child at any time, I, I believe that it's just a delay in something that's going to show up that may, that's probably not going to be so positive. And I think it's, it's really important for parents not to hang their expectations on their kids, their kids have their own life. And, um, you know, how do we honor that? There's something interesting as a parent where they hand you a baby, the world, it's, it, it's unlimited, right? Every possibility, they can be an opera singer and, uh, you know, a rocket scientist, uh, an apostle and a super athlete. And then we, we start to know our kids and we realize like, oh, they, they have a, a certain skill set or likes or ways that they do things or ways that they relate. And how do we then slowly let's let go of our unrealistic ideas and just really celebrate them because that for sure I know works. It's like the more we do that, I, I don't, I mean, that is so powerful when we go, wow, that's, that's amazing. You're interested in that. Or, um, I don't know, you know, I've gone through this with one of my daughters where she sort of communicates a certain way that I'm like, wow, I don't know if she's going to have friends. 
But instead, I just think, oh, she's going to find figure it out, like her way, and her way is different than mine. And maybe in certain ways, her way is like more honest. Um, so, you know, it's it's being the parent and not being the coach. And it is not your game. It is, it's their experience. Another question that came in was, how do I manage goals and expectations when, if I, you know, am trying to help my kids pursue their sports dreams? Um, or maybe it's just people want to know this for themselves. You know, do you coach them, drive them to practices and games, talk about ways to improve? One thing I, I really believe is, first of all, everybody's going to do it different, right? Like if you have a kid who's obsessed and they're saying, hey, this is something I want to do, of course, you're going to just get behind them and do everything uh, that they need to support this mission because they're probably you know, going to be trying to juggle schoolwork and getting ready for tests with practices and not going to parties and all these other things. So you'll, you might actually be a parent where if you have this kind of intense kid that creates more space for them to just be a kid or to have fun or to rest. Um, and then let's say you have a kid that they're not sure. So just providing a good view on, well, what does this look like to you? And does this, is this something that um, reflects who you are as a person and, and things like that? So of course, when they're not driving, you're going to, you know, I think taking them to practice is good. And, and again, I, I do, it's, it's hard to know about the games. Like I have one daughter who she does not like to watch. She doesn't want us to watch her compete. It's really strange. Um, she's just now after years and years saying, oh, you can, you can come to my practices. Um, for me personally, I never had really that much support. And I had teammates that had, you know, parents that were at every practice and every game. Um, and I had, you know, teammates that they were in between. So this is a hard question um, to answer because I think a lot of it depends on the dynamics where I have kids that are, I don't want to say rebellious, but they sort of like to do things more on their own, which is pretty in line with how Laird and I are. And you might have another kid who it's like, yo, it's so fun for me when you are there or you're taking me to games. I think the problem is, is if you have a kid who has one need, like I want to do this on my own and I don't want my parents sitting in the bleachers and then giving me coaching advice after. Um, one of the things I always tell my girls is I am not your coach. I'm your mom. And so I want to talk to you about like how you're doing and how you want to approach this. And, and obviously because I play professional sports, I have a daughter right now who's in pursuit of playing a sport at a higher level. I just wait. If she wants to talk to me about stuff, I just listen. I don't go, well, you know, like when I played, uh, this is how I handled it. I actually avoid that quite a bit. Um, I try to let her just talk about her and her experience and if she then says, well, what do you think or how would you do it or do you have any suggestions, then, of course, I, I will offer them. But weirdly, I say very little um, except, hey, I appreciate how hard what you're, you know, what you're doing or it's amazing how hard you're working. I, I really admire that. And if you need anything. But um, I think it's really tuning into what makes this young person the most comfortable 
you, you know, to take them to practice and pick them up and maybe not say anything, right? You just have water and a snack or something, um, or to, to leave them be or, or other, or to remind them, hey, you know what, take a break, because it's, it's a lot. And I think it's this fine line of how does sport enhance your life and support you as a human being and not crush you with too much stress and responsibility. So this one was hard for me to answer because every house is so different. Another topic was, hey, if a, if a kid is struggling with a sport for whatever reason and do you help push them past the hardship? Uh, or do you, you know, let them choose what, where they want to go? Do you let them quit when it gets too hard or, you know, just help them pass the difficulties? I think this is a, a, this is what sport is about for me. Life is hard. Life is unfair. We have to learn to deal with it. We have to find the way within ourselves to navigate the struggles. And so, for example, let's say you have a kid who's having a tough, they've committed to the team, they're on the team, they're in season. Now, unless they're injured, because that's a real thing, right? You don't want kids, you know, destroying their bodies early. But let's say it's just their team's not good. They got a mean coach, uh, whatever, you know, a million things happen. Um, I think you help them navigate the hardships. And not, I, and when I say it's not push them, it's have an open dialogue. It's say, hey, do you want to talk about it? Um, what do you think could be done differently to help you manage this? Not even, hey, what do you think needs to happen in order for your team to win? They, that may not be happening this season. What, do you, what needs to happen within you, the kid, to look at this in a way that you can manage it? What is it, you know, are there things you're learning? Is there some way you would like to do this different? I think quitting is not an option in midseason. Now, let's say they finish, and let's, let's look at different scenarios. Let's say they've played for a couple of years, and they loved it, and then they had one season, like I said, with either n not a stacked team with talent or not a great coach. I would entice them to try again if they had an opportunity. Coaches, it's so fascinating to me how a great coach can make it one experience and a not a great coach can make it really different. If there's a way to not let them quit because of that scenario, I would try to find it. And it may, and you may not be able to, right? Like that might be the coach of the team, of the school. So it's not like a club situation where they can go somewhere else so that they don't leave with that bitter taste in their mouth. Um, but maybe they're just over it. Like maybe they're on a great team and they have a wonderful coach and they go, Hey, I've, I, I feel like I've done this. I think once they've finished with the commitment that you have to let them see what else is out there. Obviously they have a calling. I know a ton of scenarios where you have people who are actually really good at a sport and they could go to college and they say, Hey, after high school, I'm done. I'm going to pursue other things. I think the lessons and the tools that we get from sport, um, once they have them, that's really what it's for. And as far as like winning and more trophies and all that, I, I think that that's usually for, for someone else. So absolutely help them work through the hard times, get them talking, get them looking at it, get them figuring out what they feel. So they learn that skill of, wow, this is super uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm going to find my way through this, um, as best I can. And also 
adjust. We have to adapt. If it's not working, what can you do in your part? And then also, what can you let go of that that is not your part? And and maybe even, you know, this is a great opportunity where people learn not to blame everybody. Like they see what's going on, but they still are trying on their side um, because it's the other people's responsibility, right? Like if you don't have a great coach, it's on them to to learn those lessons. And And I think when we can use these scenarios to help our kids, it's, it's, it's really priceless. That wraps it up for today. Make sure to follow us on Spotify for free episodes and subscribe to The Gabby Reese Show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me at Gabby Reese on Instagram and Twitter. Aloha. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.